into cybersecurity, there's a ton of content out there. And if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? I tell y'all every time, I love that intro music. My name is Eric Taylor. I am the CEO and Chief Forensic Operator here over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. And it is my esteemed pleasure to be guest hosting in Dr. Gerald Osier's absence today as he is traveling to Black Hat. Will not give any of the you know pertinent details away for any of that stuff, but let's see. Let's get this thing fired off because I know everybody wants to hear it. That's right. So grab grab some coffee, grab your bottom. We're going to be coming in hot because today is August 9th, 2023, and I am welcoming you to episode 426 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, where we're going to discuss today's top cyber news. So that way you are more informed when you go into your job this morning, you know what's what's happening. Um, if you're going in for an interview, you're going to be able to go in there and crush it. And be able to say, hey, how, how do you stay current? Well, I watch this Jack Wagon, Eric Taylor, who guest hosts sometimes. But more importantly, you stay tuned to CEO um, or CISO of Dr. Gerald Osier delivering those type of uh, analysis every time. You know, he does give you from a more uh, elevated C level. I definitely do more of a technical uh, level recap of the news and again happy to be here if you are team live we do love you joining every single day we greatly appreciate it according to my feed right now we currently have 130 of you wonderful folks joining uh, joining us on the different channels whether it's linkedin youtube twitter whatever the, the platforms are we de definitely appreciate it so definitely say see uh team live in the chat like we're seeing with mosey with steven with adabu sorry hooked on phonics austin uh geoff uh, good to see all you folks so you know when you go in and try to file for those cves um you know you can be able to say hey i was on here i i posted it it's burned in like dr joe Dozier says he never takes these things down he never takes them down um and they're always there so it's completely completely audible so at any time if there is a discrepancy you can be able to submit that if you are team hybrid whether you're you're just uh trying to listen to us ramble on 1.5 or 2x catch on up with us drop team hybrid in there we definitely love you i always try to give a shout out to team audio those folks who are listening on the podcast version of the story we see you out there driving you know trying not to get road rage out there in whatever city you may be in um so we definitely see you out there if you are a first timer please say first time 
and let us say hi. And with that, we also want to say if you are a passive observer, you are shy. You know, even though I come on here, yeah. Side story, you know, my marketing is always like, we want to record some videos. So I'm like, oh, we're not recording anything. We're just going to do it live. <laughs> I just do better live on stuff. But, you know, if you are here, um, please say, you know, we are passive observer. You know, you know, I just don't know what to say, blah, blah, blah. But let, let me just let you on a little secret. We're all a little awkward, okay? So don't just get out of that shell. Just say a little hi and we'll talk to you, right? We're very, very inclusive. We're very open and we'd love to be able to welcome you. With that said, I do want to shift the screens around here just a tad bit. And I do want to say thanks and much love to the show's sponsors. Uh, Pandopsi will be the first one. Look at that awesome, awesome new website that Brandon pulled. I had a pleasure of actually speaking with him a little bit, I believe last week or the week before. He did tell me he was getting a new website put together. And this thing does look, look sick. Um, I, I really, really love it. Um, you know, talking about the quantified risk assessments, you know, doing threat hunting, helping you do those tabletops and being able to, I'm getting a word that the music is drowning me out a little bit. Let me tune that down just a little bit. Let me know if that is better. But yeah, Panopside Security, if you're looking for that quantified risk assessment, you're looking for potential threat hunting, you're looking for someone to help you do those tabletop exercises, you know, Panopside Security may be that type of solution for you where you're a lot of times the internal IT folks, they just don't know how to really um, communicate those type of you know scenarios and type of uh, situations and being able to get budget for what you're trying to do. So, you know, definitely reach out to Brandon Poole and the team over there, Penopside Security, um, have a conversation with them and see if they, that organization is a good and right fit for you. Also, with that said, we definitely want to welcome or uh, say thanks and much love to the other show sponsor, Anti-Siphon, which is Black Hills Information Security. You know, they do have a plan or a, a line of courses for pay what you can, right? So. The, the link is down in the bottom. Definitely please use the link in the description be, because it does help Gerald Osher keep that sponsorship because, you know, as any business owner, I can say, we try to see where our traffic for our website is coming. So by using that, it helps boost, you know, that they, uh, that they are seeing, oh, well, we're getting, you know, 100 people, 200 people per month, per week, whatever that number may be, coming in from Simply Cyber. So it does help you know, help sponsor the stream and helps keep that validity there. But, you know, if you are new in the industry, you're trying to level up your game, definitely check out Anti-Siphon uh, Training. Uh, you know, full honestly, I've taken a couple of their classes. Really, really love the team over there. Um, they, they really put together some pretty good stuff. And, you know, it's from, you know, people who actually do this thing day in and day out. So it's not theory. It's a hundred percent practical, right? So, um, you know, you're going to learn from people who are in this thing day in and day out and be able to give you real world experiences and be able to help you out with that. Um, much, uh, much apologies to the stream. Um, as everybody knows that, uh, I'm not, I really do need to talk to Dr. Jared Osher about it and find out, you know, what is the platform he uses for the worldwide Wednesday? Um, I really, I just don't know. So, and 
I, I was full dis, uh, transparency. Geog I am not good at geography, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I know my continents and all that stuff, but like, okay, is this in what continent? And I'm, I'm just really not good at it. That is one of my downsides. Um, so me, me doing Worldwide Wednesday would probably be a massive disservice to everybody because I would spend two minutes trying to find a, uh, you know, a country inside of a continent. So it's uh, get a map coloring book and do it on stream. All right, Stone Arrow. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if the uh, the coloring map is just for the Marine Corps joke or because we're all supposedly eat crayons, but <laughs> we'll kind of kick off with that. Um, we will talk a little bit more about some stuff that's coming up and it has happened, but we'll do that in the mood roll. Uh, thanks again for joining us. As we get started, please do us a, all a huge, huge favor. Please um, hit that thumbs up. We do see 52 of people uh, in here currently uh giving that thumbs up and uh we'll love to be able to see more go on the social media and say hey check out this jack wagon talking about the top cyber news today with that said we will shift gears and get into the and listen to the cool sounds wash over us of today's top cyber news talk to y'all more at the middle ladies and gentlemen from the CISO series it's cybersecurity headlines <laughs> It's Wednesday, August 9th, 2023. Google's Messages app now uses RCS to encrypt chats. On Tuesday, Google announced that its Messages app is now more secure and robust with Rich Communication Services, or RCS, a protocol that replaces SMS and encrypts individual and group chat messages end-to-end. -end. RCS will be enabled for new and existing users, allowing them to share high-res photos and videos, see typing indicators, get read receipts, and rename, edit, and remove themselves from group chats. With the updates, Google says all conversations between messages users, whether one-to-one -one or group chats, will now be kept private. Interesting. So yeah, this is something that's been going... We've been seeing a lot of push for this in the InfoSec community where... Um, no, that's a huge attraction for me platform messages like WhatsApp and Signal being the two primary primary end-to-end uh, -end encryption for messages. Uh, seeing Google Messages coming out with that, you know, doing uh, to encrypt group messages. I'm I'm wondering. I have to go back and look at this. If they are if protocol aiming replacing SMS, okay. Okay, and this actually answers my other question I was going to have. So, all right, so Google is advancing its SMS to be more secure like the iPhones or the iOS's iMessage platform. So that's good. So that was going to be one of my, my technical things was, you know, are they going to over-sophisticate it where you know, other platforms would not be able to be able to essentially be able to see these type of messages. And it looks like that that is. Um, so that's pretty good. It's always good to have a little bit more security in my eyes. Right. So, you know, good for Google, you know, tip of the hat that they're actually starting to roll this thing out. And, you know, at least trying to get more and more stuff outside of the, the carrier's visibility right we've seen a lot of stuff with t-mobile we've seen uh a lot of stuff with other platforms with uh or other 
cell phone providers that they're able to capture those type of things. And I'm seeing a lot of the a lot of the sounds. So here we go, ladies and gentlemen. We'll do one more sound. Uh, I'm sure we will get plenty spicy enough in a, another story to adequately or adequately use that sounder. Um, but yeah, it's it's good. It, definitely keep an eye on it if you are on the Google platform and see you know how this thing works for you. I did see not too long ago where they're trying to get uh, if you're on iPhone, you have the blue colors and the uh, green colors, you know, to tell you if they are in the iPhone ecosystem or if they're in, you know, the Android ecosystem. You know, there's a lot of people that's, you know, kind of really back and forth about, you know, actually talking to other people's and other platforms. It's really juvenile, if you will, in my personal opinion, but um, each their own, I guess. But it, like anyway, making things a little bit more secure, keeping things out of the the reach of your uh, your cell phone provider, being able to you know do the data just like your ISP. You know, you never want to use your you know, your Comcast, your Spectrum, your whatever uh, Verizon Wireless. Uh, you don't want to use their DNS. You you want to use your own. You want to use your firewalls or whatever. You know, open DNSs or Whatever the case is, because all they're they're charging you for internet and then reselling you. So I'd rather pay for a DNS service and not have that data kind of sold. So it's pretty much reallocating my funds somewhere else. But anyway, that's just me, little tinfoil, little tinfoil hat, Jerry on tinfoil hat, Eric. <laughs> Electoral Commission apologizes for security breach involving UK voters' data. Confidence oh in the UK's Electoral Commission may have dwindled after it revealed that a cyber attack that compromised data of 40 million voters went undetected for a year. The attack was discovered last October and reported to the Information Commissioner's Office within 72 hours. However, the regulator did not notify the public for another 10 months. The Electoral Commission apologized for the security breach that exposed full copies of electoral registers, including names and addresses of all voters registered between 2014 and 2022. Data of overseas voters and anonymous voters whose details are kept private for safety reasons were not accessible to the intruders. Okay. All right, so we're, we're going to go on a little bit of a rant. I'm not sure if it's going to be a dolphin-style rant, but we're going to go on a little rant, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, This is a big deal, security breach in the UK, releasing are being able to release, you know, voter registration. What if I told you here in the States, because of what I do, I know there are certain states in the U.S. that publicly disclose voter registration, wide open. You know, um, it's just their policy. That's what they do. Um, some people say, well, that helps tamper down fraud. You know, again, we're not going to get political because I can probably say stuff to get myself canceled on every platform known to man just because of the, the way that the, the world is these days. Um, but, you know, whether it's to, you know, potentially eliminate potential voter fraud or whatever the case, your reasoning is, you know, I didn't see anything in here that was about like a leaky S3 bucket or anything like that where, you know, it was supposed to be protected. Um, I'm going to assume because it is in the net news, that's kind of what it is, but. Um, I'm just saying 
a lot of times you can literally in some states in some platforms uh, i'm not sure if carvana is still the same way but they were a huge component where you could literally take a license plate number submitted into carvana get full make full vo volume full um uh vin number all that stuff like you're pretending how you know, like you're trying to sell a car and you're just riding passenger seat and you're starting to enter um license plate numbers that stuff comes right through right so the amount of information that you can be able to collect freely from platforms like this is crazy but anyway like i said it's going to be a little bit of a rant you know i will say a lot of people will probably get upset because it did take such a long time to do disclosure and i'll give you a little insight on this so when we're working a DFIR case, digital forensics and incident response, DFIR for short, a lot of times there is what's called breach counsel. These are attorneys that are part of the process. And they're advised, you know, you're not going to say breach, you're not going to say hacked, you're not going to say a lot of the keywords that will trigger a response or a countdown to give proper notification. It's a little game that's played, but it does play in the favor because sometimes it can take six months. It can take a year to do forensics. Some of, let me just tell you, it's not all, oh, well, there's RDP and that's how they got in. It, it is sometimes, but a lot of, sometimes it is very, very crafty. And we're looking at a lot of logs for a very long time, trying to piece things together. And it, it, it can take some time. So, uh, we had a case that we're still going on for about six months now, uh, just going back and forth, getting new artifacts that weren't available to us to begin with. It, it really is crazy. Um, so it's, uh, you know, that timeline is not out outside of the norm. Uh, you know, I do wonder if people are going to get fined, if people are going to potentially you know, going to get fired or whatever, because, you know, the UK is under GDPR, right? GDPR. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how that one comes out. It may be in the story. Suspects. Uh, of course, uh, that Russia is one of my first suspects. It's always Russia, Russia, Russia. You know, like Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody kind of points to, you know, Russia and the Ukraine. I'm going to tell you right now that, you know, while Russia could have done it, by all means, they definitely have the talent for it. Uh, you know, I, I think pointing to them all the time is a little childish, if you will, because it's like the scapegoat for cybersecurity, right? So, uh, anyway, like I said, I, I knew I was going to go on a little bit of a rant on that one, but yeah. Um, I did see in the in the chat from the mods uh, from James Henson, Eric Taylor, you were in the Marines. Yes, sir. I was in the United States Marine Corps. Um, a message from Julie. How secure is RSC messaging from the first story? Julie, I'm not 100% sure. That's outside of my wheelhouse. So I'm not, I'm not in that world. 
So it's a, I, I know enough about the cryptology of uh, messaging to, to make myself look stupid talking about it. I pretty much know the basics of it, if you will. So banks hit with over $500 million in fines for using out of band chat apps. On Tuesday, U.S. regulators announced a combined $549 million in penalties against Wells Fargo and a raft of smaller or non-U.S. firms that failed to maintain electronic records of employee communications. The SEC issued fines totaling $289 million against 11 firms they say admitted using side channels like WhatsApp to discuss company business dating back to 2019, therefore violating federal securities laws by failing to preserve records. The Commodity Futures Trading Commission doled out an additional $260 million worth of fines to four banks for similar records violations. These actions follow recent settlements totaling more than $2 billion with bigger players including J.P. Morgan Chase, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, and Citigroup. <laughs> All I could say, it could not happen to a better bunch of... I mean, seriously... These these banks think they could just do whatever. Here we go. It's going to be dolphin time, ladies and gentlemen. That these guys could think that they can do whatever the they want to, and I'm sick and tired of it. I really am from info security and just from practical business. Like we had, how can I explain this? So we had to do a trend. We don't bank with Wells Fargo, but business wise or personally, I I just don't like them and. When you go to make a deposit into someone's account, so back in the boomer days, in my old days, you know, you could go to a bank, and if you knew someone's name and account number, you can make a cash deposit into that. You know, whether it's an employee, a cousin, family, whatever, right? Wells Fargo is one of those companies that, like, uh -uh, if you ain't got a bank, an account with us, you're not depositing any freaking cash and you know, the fact that a bank will not accept cash drives me insane just insane it's the biggest dumbest thing in the world so to talk about the topic the side channels there is a thing called e-discovery there is a thing um called DLP data loss prevention that's inside of these type of regulations. So you need to stay in band. So in band is um, like, let's say you're a Google, your organization uses Google. All your communications should be in the, uh, the Google. Oh gosh. I forget the, 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 uh, the messaging app for it now, or it's inside of the, the mail or the, the chat inside of the, the GUI. I thought they had a side one, but let's just say you're a Microsoft shop and all your stuff should be in teams, things of that nature. Right. So, you know, you want it to be inside of that platform. Fun fact is when they, uh, th these people are going to get real, real upset real, real quickly because they are using things like signal. They're using things like WhatsApp and Apple's iMessage. Guess what's going to happen to those users next? Those folks who have been identified as that are now going to have their phone subpoenaed. Their entire lives are now going to be discoverable because they wanted to go to a side channel. So 
they have to collect the phone and see what was done on that to forensically collect. So your whole world is completely open to e-discovery now because you decided to go side channel and do whatever you want to like a YOLO panda bear. And so, you know, there are rules and regulations put forth by organizations for a reason. It really is in your best interest. If you really want that clear line of separation between work and personal life, don't do this stuff. Otherwise, like I said, if there is an incident and there is an investigation and it comes out that you've been messaging you know carl in it on signal on your personal phone outside of the band the provided bandwidth your personal life is now discoverable you are now surrendering your personal life and guess what if you know you have apps like signal on your phone you know you have signal on your desktop and on whatever else stops so your whole life could potentially be discoverable and subject to search and seizure. So, hooray! People are goofy, I swear. Anyway, we'll carry on, ladies and gentlemen. How are you doing today? <laughs> Malicious extensions can abuse Visual Studio flaw to steal auth tokens. Researchers have discovered a flaw in Microsoft's Visual Studio Code editor and development environment that allows malicious extensions to retrieve authentication tokens stored in Windows, Linux, and Mac OS. The tokens are used for integrating with various third-party services and APIs such as GitHub and other coding platforms. The issue stems from a lack of isolation of authentication tokens in VS Code's secret storage API. The researchers were able to decrypt the tokens using a key they could easily derive using the executable path and the machine ID. Using a second flaw in the get full key function, researchers were able to trick VS Code into granting them access to secure tokens from other extensions. Researchers reported the flaw in a working proof of concept to Microsoft two months ago. However, Microsoft has yet to address the issue. You know, I Microsoft is really getting a red... I really think these guys are another company just like the last story they think they're um they're they're too big for the britches right we've seen things in the recent news about microsoft teams and they don't want to fix that for out of out of tenant messaging being mimicked that way it can appear in in channel where uh we've seen one other story i forget what it is now we got visual uh, visual code doing browser extension cred dumps and it's like they're like yeah la, la 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 nobody's gonna punish me yay you know it's it's like the spoiled little neighborhood kid and they're they're just getting they're getting too big for their britches again and sooner or later you know we see companies do this all the time it, it, historically i should say and they get too big for their britches and they get a spanking and they kind of get back in line a little bit and they play nice with, you know, all the neighborhood kids and stuff like that, if you will, uh, as a, as a thing. But if this is definitely something you want to 
you, know, you you should have auditing in place for things like um you know blocking github in your organization if github is not part of your company's ecosystem if it doesn't make sense for users to be making calls out to github or any site right i mean there is a level of scrutiny inside of your organization you need to be applying you know for authorized and unauthorized web traffic for unauthorized and unauthorized applications and services and things of that nature um i do see a comment yes i will be around for a little bit of jaw jacking um so i will uh take your note jenny uh and advisement so we'll scroll back so jenny just so everybody knows she's kind of capturing the questions and we'll go through and answer them toward the end but yeah do yourself some favor you know go through and start auditing you know what browser extensions are installed on my managed devices you know um you know what is the top 10 websites that was tra uh, visited by my organization in the last 24 hours 72 hours a week a month you know start doing trends you know, start looking for those outliers um, and see where potential problems are. You, you need to do proper auditing. You need to know what's inside of your environment. And, you know, without that, you're never going to be able to fix this garbage. You're really, really not. And with that, we will hear the mid-roll. And now a word from our sponsor, Conveyor. Did you catch the biggest release of the year? No, not Barbenheimer. It's Conveyor's GPT-powered security questionnaire response tool, the most accurate questionnaire automation tool on the market. It's so good, you can let your customers upload their own questions in your trust portal and get instant answers based on your content. And of course, it's not just for your customers. You can use GPT questionnaire response tool internally as well to get auto-generated precise answers to entire questionnaires in minutes. So all you have to do is review. Maybe it's time to replace your outdated RFP software. Try a free proof of concept with your own data. To learn more, visit www.conveyor.com. That's C-O-N-V-E-Y-O-R.com. all right ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining us so far i hope you are enjoying the uh the rantings of myself as i am again guest hosting sitting in the quote-unquote a chair for dr joe dozier let's take a moment enjoy the this music for a moment take a sip of coffee with me uh, for those who don't know i you know, i'm a major duncan fan so um as uh, I know Dr. Joe Dozier loves his French presses, I love my Dunkin' Donuts coffee. So, with that, I want to say, um, to please remind you, you know, I do see 107 people have given that thumbs up. You know, if you're enjoying this content, please give that thumbs up. I know it's kind of a, you know, it's like, oh, everybody says it, but it really does help other folks know about this uh this podcast and be able to advance and know about the the day's top cyber news and with that you know I, this is the part of segment we do want to talk about the simply cyber community challenge this is a group where on linkedin that we go through and help you introduce yourself to everybody else and be able to learn other uh, how other people get into the industry have got into the industry 
things of that nature. So use them that go on LinkedIn, look for that hashtag, Simply Cyber Community Challenge, and be able to connect with other people. Um, yesterday we did have Stephanie Strauzy. Please forgive me, Stephanie, if I'm butchering your last name. I say it all the time. Hooked on Fox never worked for me. Um, but this is her link. Uh, definitely go reach out to her or take a look at her comment, get connected and be able to, you know, see what her, her story is and look for other people, you know, and start making meaningful connections with other people like, Hey, that's how I got into or Hey, you're, um, you know, that, you know, that I struggle with the same things or I'm looking to do the same things, you know, all those type of things. And it really helps find like-minded people that's really helped building out the community and we want to make sure that people are able to connect with each other right in a very meaningful way and around a topic that we all simply enjoy here cyber security so uh make sure you do tune in for episode six of the eight for rebuilding or monetizing and building your LinkedIn profile. I do believe this may be a pre-recorded. It would just make sense. Um, I just dropped the, the link in the chat for this. Make sure you have this uh, on your radar for 1 p.m. today um, where they're going to talk about the personal branding in the digital age and how much is TMI. You know, for those who don't know that too much information, TMI. Um, you know that, that kind of talk i didn't even realize that but that kind of goes back to the the uh, the conversation about wells fargo having that level of separation right um you know even i teach my kids you know when we're out and about then you know you don't post where you're out at you know if you're at the the local the um, you know restaurant you, you wait till you get home and be able to do you know, you're posting where you're back safe. You know, these are just simply cybersecurity things. But, you know, knowing what to divulge and what not to divulge, I would believe would, is going to be the topic of today. And definitely tune that out or tune that in. Sorry, not tune that out. Tune that in um, and learn about that. A uh, little bit of self uh, promotion, please, if you will. I was a guest host. This is definitely going to be the first of, I would imagine, another two or so of being on the Simply, Simply Cyber Junkies where I did go through and, you know, kind of talk about the history. I did that a little bit with uh, Jack Scott, uh, a.k.a. Smiley, and the two cyber chicks and a couple other ones. It was a little bit of a different spin, a little different um, take on things, and um, it was really, really co cool to be able to do that. Um, and if you're interested, we do have a new series that we are doing. Um, you know, where it is simply uh, it is simply the executive cyber briefs. So I just take a couple of the top stories that I don't think that has been talked about much, and I just talk about it a little bit. So if you're interested in catching that on Friday, we do it at 3:30 Eastern. Again, brand new thing we're we're considering and we're playing with and. Hopefully it's something that you'll enjoy. And again, I will stick around for a little bit of jaw jacking at the end. Thanks so much uh, for the mods for capturing the questions so that way I can go back through them. Let's get back to the news. Try to stay on target here today.
Google is picking up the pace of Chrome security updates. Google will begin issuing Chrome security updates on a weekly basis to accompany the milestone Chrome releases that come every four weeks in its stable channel. Google's weekly updates, which used to be issued bi-weekly, will help close the patch gap between fixes appearing in Canary beta releases and then being rolled out to its stable channel. This reduces the time threat actors have to develop exploits based on beta fixes to try and exploit billions of potentially vulnerable stable channel users. Google says the new weekly updates will start with Chrome 116. Good, good. You know, seeing a more proactive patch schedule from, you know, on a platform is definitely a good thing. Um, The one thing, so this is just around Chrome, right? Yeah, so this is around Chrome. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, Chrome is being essentially adopted by so much. Even Edge is a Chromium version. You know, there's Chrome and there's two or three other flavors of Chrome called Chromium uh, that's being uh, built out uh, and you know, so seeing something that is being widely adopted by other platforms, getting a routine or a consistent cadence of patch updates is definitely you know, a big win for folks. So we'll definitely we'll be uh, keeping an eye on that. I de- definitely know it's going to keep uh, the patching guys and gals a little bit. Uh, Oh, wow. I didn't even notice this. So, you know, finish up. They've actually got, you know, a update bar. I wonder if that's going to populate down to the Chromium finish update, relaunch update, and new Chrome available. That's pretty cool. So I wonder if that'll come down to Edge and some of the other Chromium flavors. But, yeah, again, don't want to spend too much just, you know, too much time on this one. Just know that finally we're getting a regular patch cadence on this thing so hats off to google for that and now it's time for you should probably patch that patch tuesday edition hold on we gotta play this ah you gotta patch it (laughs) microsoft's august 2023 patch tuesday update includes fixes for 74 vulnerabilities including two that attackers are actively exploiting in the wild Microsoft fixes address six critical bugs and 67 flaws it classified as important across an array of Microsoft products. The first zero day is a denial of service issue assigned a CVSS score of 7.5. The flaw affects multiple versions of .NET and Visual Studio, and attackers can exploit it using low-complexity attacks. Microsoft has now also released a patch for a remote code execution bug in Microsoft Office 2013, 2016, and 2019 under active exploit in the wild. Microsoft initially disclosed the bug in July, but only offered mitigation advice at that time. Additionally, Adobe rolled out a batch of 30 security updates for its Acrobat and Reader software affecting Windows and macOS installations. The software maker documented the security defects in a critical level advisory and warned that successful exploitation could lead to arbitrary code execution, memory leaks, security feature bypass, and application denial of service attacks. A lot to be done, ladies and gentlemen, a lot to be done. Um... One good thing that I'm really glad about that we've implemented a long time ago 
and you really should if you are not doing this you should have a piece of software an edr whatever inside of your organization that provides reporting for true cves that may be applicable to your organization being able to monitor that and be like yep cve 2023-36884 is fully patched on all systems thumbs up let's go get tacos as dr gerald osher says and he also says ah you gotta patch it <laughs> um so being able to have that visibility inside of your organization to know what's patched what's not patched and you know working on a full patching schedule to make sure things are done in a timely fashion is definitely critical so you know just because you have a gpo on your domain that says patch everything on tuesday night um and you know reboot doesn't mean it freaking installed right so um yeah Brandon Par Parsons, I see your comment. Message me on LinkedIn. You'll be surprised what I use, maybe. But anyway, we will carry on. 75% of organizations set to ban generative AI. According to results of a global survey released by BlackBerry Limited on Tuesday, 75% of organizations worldwide are currently implementing or considering bans on ChatGPT and other generative AI applications. 61% of those respondents said the measures are intended as long-term or permanent, pointing to risks to data security, privacy, and corporate reputation as driving their decisions. Despite their inclination towards outright bans, the majority also recognize the opportunity for generative AI apps to increase efficiency and innovation and enhance creativity. When it comes to using generative AI tools for cybersecurity defense, the majority of respondents, or 81%, remained in favor, suggesting that IT decision makers don't want to be caught flat-footed and give cyber criminals the upper hand. Yeah, so we've seen a lot of stuff in the news about ChatGPT, and you know, it's going to be open AI, it's going to be barred, it's going to be all that stuff. You know, there, it becomes. I'm not going to pull it. I'm not going to do a bunch of Googling and try to find it, but there is a complete AI generated woman, beautiful, beautiful woman. Like you could tell, like it's one of those like models that are just flawless or, you know, they use a ton of that, uh, uh airbrushing and just all that stuff. Right. And, you know, just a young little thing, you know, 20 something, you know, doesn't got the wrinkles and all that, but it's complete. The whole, the young lady, I don't know. Can I call her young lady? Because it is an AI generated image, but there's like people falling in love that there's guys messaging and trying to meet this person. And it's been totally, it's fake. Even on the profile it says images are completely created by AI. And so there's, it, it's going to be a problem. You know, you've got, oh, excuse me. You've got folks falling in love with things that don't exist. You, what was it yesterday or the day before where there was a story about ChatGPT just really blowing it on 
you know, based some basic math stuff or some math calculations. Um, you know, there's yeah, Jack's hey smile, hey, how you doing, girl? Um, yeah, I think we're talking about the same thing, but there is a there is a profile that's out there. It may be on Instagram. I'm I'm not really on it to be honest with you. Um so um it's crazy. But yeah. It's this may be a a pause, you know, cuz I do know we were trying to get and I, again Elon Musk and I think um a lot of the other tech heads if you will were trying to put a pause and slow down the creation and the advancement of chat gpt so you know having organizations kind of pump the brakes and kind of banning it you know that may help give it the uh, the the pause that it needs to kind of reassess some of these things right so um i do think it's a little bit of fast and loose with it i, I do like it for you know, helping create a couple things. Um, you know, I've messed with chat GPT a little bit here and there and some of the stuff, you know, that it's been able to create is kind of cool. Uh, it's never, it's never a hundred percent correct, but to be able to get, you know, bullet points and, you know, some items quickly back on something, it, it's kind of cool. So it at least gives me a starting point. It's kind of what I've always used it for, but anyway. New downfall CPU attacks steal sensitive data. Google researcher Daniel Mogami has devised a new CPU attack to exploit a side channel vulnerability dubbed downfall that affects multiple Intel microprocessor families. Mogami was able to exploit the flaw to steal AES 128-bit and 256-bit cryptographic keys and other sensitive info protected by Intel's hardware-based memory encryption mechanism called Software Guard Extensions, or SGX. Downfall attacks require an attacker to be on the same physical processor core as the victim. However, locally installed malware could also potentially exploit the flaw. Details about the vuln were kept private for almost a year to allow manufacturers and providers to develop a microcode update which is now available to mitigate the issue. However, fully eliminating the risk of downfall attacks requires a complete hardware redesign. Intel downplayed the issue, saying that, quote, trying to exploit this outside of a controlled lab environment would be a complex undertaking, end quote. Mogami has released exploit details and is scheduled to discuss it this week at the Black Hat Security Conference. All right, so I will put something on Dr. Joe Dozier's tasks, <laughs> if I can get a hold of his calendar, um, to go listen to this. Um, you know, we still have, you know, we get brought into so many organizations that still have Spectre and Meltdown vulnerabilities available to them. That's from three, four years ago that haven't fully patched. It's granted, you know, the Spectre and Meltdown it definitely looks like this one. Uh, the downfall it's definitely you have to be in the system to exploit this from what i'm gathering from this from a thirty thousand foot view this does require more investigating on our side uh, and i would re strongly recommend it to you if you're watching this definitely dig into this there's a, a poc that's being going to be discussed 
a lot of times on YouTube, the Black Hat talks are uh, live streamed. So it's it's going to be interesting to see if that one will be or not. Dr. Jodos, you have to be on the same CPU core to exploit it. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, Dr. Jodos. You know, you've got to, you know, if they if the threat actor got to this point, your network is pretty much already, you know, you're, you're already having a bad day if they got to this point. It was my assumption. Again, just like with Spectre and Meltdown and some of the other ones that have been going on. So um, I do wonder if, you know, it's sometimes some of these things are out of band or able to be done with the Intel V Pro. I don't see anything on here that would indicate that like V Pro or any out of band on the Intel chipset would be applicable to this. But again, these these are things that, you know, and if you want to get into InfoSec, these are the things that you gotta ask the questions you gotta ask yourself. It's like, is this just core Intel, you know, chipset? Is it just a CPU? Is it part of um, you know, if you have Intel V Pro that's kind of out of band, does that actually share the same hardware? Could it be you know, could that be vulnerable as well? You know, what one thing you always got to ask yourself is what exactly is my possible blast radius for this situation, right? So do your homework on this one. This one definitely looks like it's going to be an interesting one. Um, hopefully, again, like I said, the at a 30,000 foot view, you know, Dr. Gerald Ozier was kind of uh, summarizing the same as, uh, uh, assessment that I am getting that you definitely have to be on that workstation in that same core of the CPU to be able to exploit this. So it looks like you're definitely, you know, you got to be pretty far in that network and you pretty much are if they get to this point. But anyway, thank you so much for t that is the last story, right? And that does it for today's. Yep. That does it for those guys if you are here just for the news thank you so so much for tuning in today i greatly greatly appreciate dr joe dozier allowing me to be able to be ghost hosting in the a chair being able to help deliver these news to the the top cybersecurity news to you in a hopefully a very meaningful way hopefully you brought enjoyment and be able to go on to uh be able to crush your day i wish you all the very best of it uh, with that said, we will now dig into the doll jacking. <laughs> anyway, we will get back over to the mod chat. Let me turn down the audio. And kind of go back through the audio of that mod chat. If you have a question that you've been saving, just do me a favor. Put a Q in and then type your question into mod chat or into the stream. And I will look at it party on Carl party on glad somebody got that reference So we had a comment from Mosey Evie. Yeah, the 
Hey, introduce yourself, Dr. Jodozer, what's your background? That seems like a bot to me, who clearly doesn't watch the stream, um, to know that I'm not Dr. Jodozer. Like, I specifically make sure that the on the bottom, it has my information to help not confuse people. Um, especially if you're... Um, if you're still new, you're still trying to get out the... Uh, trying to get a you know, grasp of the show. Joel B, I, did, I do see your comment in mod about um, the Cloudflare being abused in the wild. That I did see that come across. I have not done enough analysis on that one. That definitely needs to... Um, that that one needs to be the that, that needs more insight that needs a little bit more investigation there's a lot to digest in that oh so it looks like dr jordan knows who mashi is okay Don't feed the trolls and cut the electrical power supply to the bots. That's right. Ben Willis, thank you so much, sir. Greatly appreciate you. I am seeing a lot of the uh, great jobs and the thanks for guest hosting. Thank you so much for the kind words. I do greatly appreciate it. Um, Andy McPherson. Yeah, so I've seen this. So, okay. Um, I personally use CrowdStrike. So we have CrowdStrike internally and for our clients. Hey, Jack Scott, you owe me a message, young lady. <laughs> but anyway, um, we with our CrowdStrike tenant, we have a part that's called Discover. Um, or not, it's called Spotlight, sorry. There's so many modules of CrowdStrike, it's unreal. Um, but Spotlight, and it does a lot of the CVE vulnerability reporting that we could be able to do. So we typically, we, we love CrowdStrike over here, or at least I do. I'm not sure how much the rest of the team does, but um the uh we love it so we love it we love it we love it so that helps us generate all of our true cve vulnerabilities it helps us uh, advance our zero trust posture for os security things of that nature carl rand do you anticipate barricade doing any hiring in the future carl yes i do i just don't have a timeline for that I'll be completely honest with you. Things have been very, it's been all over, all over the place. Um, so we're hoping for a little bit more consistency in the workflow. And then we can be able to try to scale things out and be able to start hiring some more folks. It, it is on the radar. We are on a growth mindset this year. So uh, hopefully this will come soon. Question from Tim McDonald. What is a good way to propose robust cybersecurity implementations with a baseball bat? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I would talk to him about CIS version 8. You know, I've, I've talked about this a number of times that CIS really is a entry level good starting framework that will helpfully that will helpfully allow the business to quickly pivot to more advanced um, 
you know, frameworks like the, the NIST frameworks and things of that nature. So um, CIS version eight or previously CN stop 20 is definitely a good, um, a good starting point and it introduces the organization. It's not too much of an uplift. Uh, you can get it done in four to six weeks. So it's, it's not too bad. So that's what I would definitely do. Cyber Ninja, you're welcome. Uh, Jamal Ash, what are your thoughts on Qualys? Yeah, I tried Qualys a little bit, but I did not see much value there, right? Um, I, I'm sure they're a really good platform, but it just didn't seem, at least when I tried it out, it didn't seem very, uh, very a very mature platform and being able to report on things. Um, let's see. So, Mashi Levy, how do threat actors bypass firewalls? So, there's two ways on that. One is a vulnerability in the firewall. We've been seeing a lot of stuff with SonicWall. We've seen some a couple things with Palo Alto this year. We've seen some stuff with uh, FortiGates. You know, so there could be a vulnerability in the firewall. Um, or more commonly, the IT person, MSP, leaves a door wide open, and we'll kind of go from there. You know, so patching and you know, secure uh, doing an audit of your your landscape is definitely uh, something you should do. The uh, Doctor Yardozer says it before, and I strongly echo it. You know, if you don't have Shodan. Um, at least monitoring your public IP addresses to be able to alert you when a new port comes up or something like that. You know, I would definitely implement that today. If you can travel back in time to go to yesterday and do it then. Uh, question from Discord. Who gets the fines? Do fines actually go toward the corrections of the problem so we had a story and i think you know i'm gonna self-promote i think here i think i think um because i do think i actually talked about this a little bit on my last on my last podcast sorry I try to pull Boomer out a little bit too much sometimes. Um, to make your flask. Josh. Get, come on, Ad. Get rid of it. Go, go, go. Give me a sec. I think. Sorry, me. I'm trying to make sure I actually talk to I'm I know it was on my radar. Let me just pull something up. Hold on. Let me go to my other screen. Because I know if it was not discussed in last week's executive cyber brief, I do know that I had it on my read later. I cannot find it. 
talked about managing the MSP. It might have been. Mm, I, so I, I don't want to take too much time out. I'll dig into it. I'll try to post it into the Discord um, a little bit later on. I know it was on my radar that I looked at it, but the, the crutch of the story is that organizations were spending less than 50% of the organizations just passing on the expenses of whatever they accrued of the cyber breach onto its customers versus actually in securing. So there is also a shift in the space where CISOs now have to take out insurance on themselves in order to um, maintain that job. So, you know, as CISOs are potentially being held more and more liable for data breaches that may or may not have been, you know, part of their core ability to implement change. So, you know, a lot of them are getting that, you know, quote unquote, medical malpractice version of it is um, part of the just the scope of CISOs these days. So um, it really depends uh, to the Discord user, Brian underscore W, that it really depends on the industry, the, the target that was hit, I would imagine, and the exact uh, severity of it. So uh, Taylor McDonald, Chief Informational Sacrifice or Sacrificial Art Officer. Absolutely. Let's see. Have or has anyone else ever had to testify before a judge as Alex, I have. So the question was, has or have anyone ever had to testify before a judge as expert witness? Yes, I have. I'm sure other people in the chat may have as well. Uh, why are such small fines given to major fortune for data privacy beach? They get punished. It's a slap on the wrist, a few million dollars fines. It's nothing for them. Mashi Levy, yes, absolutely. Um, it's uh, they don't. What I've seen outside of HIPAA violations and fines. No, even the HIPAA violations, actually, now that I think about it. Um, they have two calculations. They have one that's uh, a percentage of your gross revenue or a max cap per incident. And a lot of the regulations will say it will max out at a certain amount of dollar value. And even HIPAA is the same way. So it could be... I'm going to talk out my backside for a moment. I want to say it's, if, this sounds right, but I think I'm wrong, but I do think it's 3% of your total revenue or uh, $50,000, I think, for a small medical practice, like f under three uh, MDs is classified as that, right? So. Um, and then as your organization gets bigger, it will allow you to do different things. So um, it, it is proportional. So I do wish that if you had a, a larger, uh, if you had a larger organization that those thresholds would get increased, they may do that. Um, Master Love, can you talk about how to protect from zero days? No, I can't. 
because uh, they're zero days. Uh, we're really up to the vendor on that to see you know, what other possible recommendations that could be done for mitigation purposes from, you know, until an actual patch is done. So, uh, so yep, uh, what platform do you recommend for CVs? CrowdStrike is my personal one. But honestly, I mean, that's just what we use. I mean, CrowdStrike, for those who don't, it helps us do our DFIR work. It helps us do containment. It helps us do forensics. It, you know, pull the forensic logs, things of that nature. There's a lot of stuff in our day-to-day -day operations. In digital forensics, that's why we love CrowdStrike. Um, so, uh, Frank, where does the fine money go? To the regulatory body for them to use as a slush fund for whatever else they want to friggin' fund. Honestly, because the, okay, so the organization is going to have the fine from the regulatory body, HIPAA, the uh, SEC, whatever have you, but they also will have their own internal fines, if you will, that they have to go through and, you know, do client notification or yeah, client notifications breach notifications things of that nature so they're getting the, the actual business that has been impacted is getting multiple payout streams that they have or they have to pay out in several different ways so they're they're getting pretty hammered um i'm a pen tester and i am curious about the common place for artifacts when doing incident response and forensics uh, um Honestly, we just look at the news as Mashi Levy. We really do. I mean, it's it's uh, previous cases. It's you know, there's a lot of folks that are out there talking. There's not a quote unquote commonplace, if you will. I don't know. That one's a hard one to answer. Sorry. What would you suggest for a goal for a sock analyst in their first ninety days? Asking for a friend by. Uh, Cyber Michigami. Um, if you haven't taken Dr. Joe Osher's, uh, uh, I think he's got a sock analyst class. If not, then check out um, the other uh, one of the show sponsors from uh, Anti Siphon. They do have a sock analyst class. Um, I'll even switch screens here. So, as you can see right here, sock, uh, sock core skills. So, you can definitely get it from there. Um, so one of those two avenues will be an awesome resource for you to, to learn that. Uh, ta -da 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 -da. What time is it? 908? Okay. I'll, I'll try to... There's so many questions. Thank you so much, Jenny, and the, um, for grabbing these questions. There's so, so many. Um... Which come uh, from Jeffrey? Which companies provide InfoSec liability insurance? Uh, you know there is. Goodness, goodness! Thanks so much for subscribing, folks. Thank you so much. I greatly. I know I appreciate it. I know Dr. Joe Dozier appreciates y'all 
y'all subscribing thank you all so much greatly appreciate you getting value out of this um you you honestly have to do your best research you know there's a couple of companies i want to recommend but i don't want to for legality reasons um but you yeah you know, just like you do for your car insurance your homeowner's insurance renter's insurance whatever the case is you got to figure out what coverages apply best for you and your pol- your organization and what you're trying to do so i don't want to be i don't want to recommend a organization and not be a good fit and you know it'd be a liable liability issue i hope you understand but i just say do your um do your due diligence and you know definitely talk to you know a breach council find breach council in your area and you know pay them a couple for a couple hours to review your contracts and figure out where your gaps of coverage are may be um it would be my recommendation really to make sure you're properly protected right because um let's just say hypothetically travelers are well known they have four different type of policies that have varying type of coverage limits and what they do cover and what they don't cover right so um like i said it's it's really hard for me to say you know go to one two three places without the caveat of you know you do you know do your due diligence um Uh, all right, so last question. No, I see two questions. Um, so the last two questions we'll answer. Thank you so much for everybody for the questions again. Um, I'm sure Dr. Joe Dozier will have uh, have me on again. Let's see. What is the best practice for implementing CIS in an org for someone just getting started? Um, Andy McPherson. If you CIS is not overly complicated, there's a bunch of Excel sheets that you can download from CIS to get you started and be able to fill out that. the The main thing you got to understand about any of these frameworks, you're going to have your bulk out, your bulk file, your bulk document, and then you're going to have a subset of uh, supporting documents that's going to support your bulk document. So there's going to be a bunch of files. Um, so you need to know about policy creation and modifications and things of that nature. Um, so, um, if you don't know it, you know, we do it. There's other organizations out there that do it, um, that can actually walk an organization through CIS. Um, there was one, how did you start BCS bootstrap? Yeah, we are bootstrap. We are, um, completely debt-free with built um you know we're you know we're lacing up our boots and you know doing it every day so no pe no private equity funding or anything like that no angel investors it's um you know we've seen organizations like harley davison and other those big massive ones completely start and operate completely debt-free they did it i can do it too right all right ladies and gentlemen that's the end of me pressing that button for the millionth time to do that music once again thank you so much for tuning in i really do appreciate everybody's questions and being able to join us um i do see still 148 of you wonderful people still in here 158 did smash that thumbs up button thank you so much i do greatly appreciate it if you stuck around this long 
I only owe you the right for the sea shanty. Again, my name is Eric Taylor. I am the CEO and Chief Forensic Operator here at Barricade Cyber Solution. And I will see y'all next time at another episode of something. <laughs> With that, Dolphin, Sea Shanty, y'all take care of yourselves. was a kid whose passwords laid across all sites they were the same a criminal then found their fame by taking that data to go soon may a criminal come to steal your pictures and data and run one day when the crime is done they'll steal your account and go